0: you're listening to the Central City Assembly podcast. We're dedicated to sharing content that magnifies and multiplies Jesus for the good of our city and helps you grow in your love for Jesus. So enjoy this episode and may you be filled with the love of God the Father. church family how was that worship man i love being able to just enter into the presence of god thank you worship team for leading us um Real quick, before we get into the message, I just want to remind you, especially those joining online, um, that we are having our annual family business meeting right after our gathering. Um, so we will cut the live stream, and then we will go to a, um, we'll start a Zoom call where you can join that Zoom. You should have gotten a text from me with all of the information for that. Um, so if you didn't get, that text or information, um, make sure that you sign up for our communication, our mass communication text program. Um, we'll show you how to do that at the end, and then I will resend that information again. Um, but if you are a regular attender and you are a regular giver here at CCA, you should be here for that meeting. Um, if you are not doing those things yet, that's okay. You can still be a part of the meeting to see what God is doing um, in our church through our finances. So I just wanted to remind you of that uh, before um, we'll try. Try and get it started around 1230 if you're joining us online, um, and, and we'll just go through those real quick. All right. Um, so I have a, a question for you. Uh, have you ever played the game Would You Rather? Show of hands. Would you rather? Okay, cool. Um, I like games like these. Who else? No. Some are like, nope, I don't like them. Some are like, yes. Um, I, I like games like this because it's an easy and fun way to get to know people and in, an, in an unthreatening way. Um, you, you simply ask a question like, would you rather lose your eyesight or your hearing? And then you answer and you kind of get to get to know people. Um, and based on their answers, you, you can even understand their perspective on life, depending on what the question is. Um, here's a, here's a tip. If you're currently in the realm of dating or wanting to date, uh, Would You Rather is a great conversation starter. It is so much better than someone looking at you in the eye and saying, so tell me all about yourself. <laughs> I hate that question. Who else hates that one? That question has so much pressure to it, right? Like you want to know everything everything about me right here, right now, geez, right, at least give me a warm-up question. Um, Would you rather is much better, in my opinion, and not just in dating, but in, in any context, where you're trying to get to know someone. And so what I want to do before we jump into Philippians, I want to play a couple rounds of would you rather, okay? We're going to do some interaction. Um, A few questions. Now, uh, here's some some guidelines. What we'll do is I'll ask the question, give you some time to think about it, um, and then after a while we'll show which one we would rather by a a show of hands, okay? I'll ask, would you rather this? You raise your hand. Would you rather that? You raise your hand. All right, so with that, um, if you're going to play, no undecideds, no fence riders, okay? Um, not not both hands or anything like that. Make a decision if you want to play. Um, but also, this is a judgment-free zone. I'm going to ask some questions, okay? Uh, judgment-free zone. Don't judge people by what they answer. Um, and then after maybe one or two of the questions, um, I might even have you guys respond of why you pick that certain one. Not all of them, maybe one or two. Um, if you're joining us online, play with us. We'd love to hear. I'm gonna look through all the comments and see, would you rather? Um, because I wanna get to know you guys. I love you as my church family. Okay, so are you ready? We'll start super easy. First one. Um, what I asked originally, would you rather lose your sight or lose your hearing? Here's some time to think about it. All right. So, would you rather lose your sight? Raise your hand. Wow. Okay. Would you rather lose your hearing? Raise your hand. Okay. All right. You guys are crazy. Um, oh, I said judgment-free zone. I'm sorry. I broke my, my own rule. I'm sorry. Anyways... Um, Number, number two. Okay, here's the second one. Here's the second one. Uh, would you rather be covered in fur or covered in scales? Your interpretation of that. Scales. Not, probably not like musical scales, right? That would be interesting. Fur or scales? Okay, so would you rather be covered in fur? Raise your hand. Okay, would you rather be covered in scales? Raise your hand. Okay. All right. Let's do another one, um, and I'll ask for some feedback on this one. Number three, would you rather spend the rest of your life with a sailboat as your house or an RV as your house? Give you some time to think about it. All right. Okay, would you rather spend the rest of your life with a sailboat as your house? Raise your hand. Just one! Oh, man. Okay, well, we know who's going to give their input. Um, would you rather have an RV for the rest of your life? Okay. Um, all right, so, Alex, why would you want to have a sailboat, if you don't mind? You can go all over the world, yeah. It doesn't, you're not, you can cross waters. Yeah, that's true. All right, um, would someone from the RV camp like to give their input? Sailor, Why? That's true. You can't predict the ocean, but roads exist forever. All right. Yes. Okay, so we're going to go a little bit deeper. All right? A little bit deeper. Uh, Number four, would you rather have an easy job working for someone else or work for yourself but work incredibly hard? All right, think about it. Some of you have only known one of these in your entire life and vice versa. All right, number... Okay, would you rather have an easy job working for someone else? Raise your hand. Okay, fair enough. All right, would you rather uh, work for yourself? I have to work incredibly hard. Okay, all right. All right, this one, next one. We're going to go to number five. Um, Again, no judgment here. Okay, number five, would you rather have a horribly corrupt government or no government at all? You gotta pick. Would you rather have a horribly corrupt government or no government at all? Okay, let's see, you ready? Uh, raise your hand if you would rather have a horribly corrupt government. Okay, all right. And would you rather have no government at all? Okay, I'm trying to decide if I want to uh, ask reasons why. Um, okay, no, we'll skip that one, we'll go to number six. Okay, number six. Would you rather go back to age five with everything you know now or know now everything your future self would learn? Ooh. Okay, raise your hand if you would rather go back to age five with everything you know now. The youngest ones are like, yeah, I don't know that much yet. I just know a little bit. Let's, let's go. Okay, um, would you rather know everything your future self will know right now? All right. Let me hear from the, uh, the camp of why you want to um, know everything you know now back when you were five. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Okay. So knowing what you know in the future would mess you up, but know what you know now, you can kind of reshape when you were five and make changes along the way. Okay, I'm on the same page. I, I, would, I would rather have everything I know now um, as a five-year-old. Okay, um, someone from the, the other camp, why? Go ahead, Mark. You wouldn't have to be going through medic school. That's true. You would just know everything. There you go. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, um, that was fun, huh? Man, those are some, some of those are tough questions. Um, which is better? How do you choose? Right, and that's the point. Um, these questions are meant to, to get you thinking. Um, they're, they're meant to be a little bit revealing about what people like and, and even how they think and, and their own perspective of the world. And the, reason, the other reason why I wanted to start this way is because Paul, he is faced with a would-you-rather question in the book of Philippians. Um, probably a really tough would-you-rather question for many of us to answer, Um, And it also does a great job of revealing your perspective and how you view things in the world. I mean, so I want to ask this, would you rather question that Paul encounters and that he's faced with, but I don't want you to answer. Okay, keep, you can answer in your head, but keep it to yourself. And instead, what we're going to do, we're going to look at how Paul navigates this question in our passage in Philippians today. Okay, so the question is, are you ready for it? Would you rather live or die? Whoa, right? Would you rather live or die? That's probably a question you don't ask on a date. You keep that one to yourself, okay? And you might think that the answer is easy, uh, but really the answer depends on your perspective of so many different things. This question is really revealing, right? Your perspective of the world, of life, of death, of your identity of your understanding of the soul and spirit and God and heaven and all of these different things, right? And also your, your, your understanding of your purpose, uh, because you can't just say, I would rather live or I would rather die and leave it at that. People will give you really strange looks. You have to follow it up with a why, and that why is revealing. And the reason why this question is so important is not so others can understand you better, but so that you can understand you better. Right? This question of life or death is a tough question to confront that we probably don't really want to talk about. Right? But if you confront it, you will better understand yourself, what you're all about, why you do what you do, You'll understand what's really important to you. You might even realize some changes that you need to make in your life. And you'll better understand your purpose in life. So today, we're going to confront this would you rather question. Would you rather live or die? Okay, but thankfully... Paul uses himself as a guinea pig, so to speak, um, and he puts his personal thoughts and feelings on display so that we can learn how to wrestle well with this question on our own. All right, so the title of today's message is To Live or Die. Let's pray. Let's ask God to lead us and guide us this morning. Father, this is such a huge question, and God, we might think we can answer one way or the other. But God, I I pray that right now you'd begin to lead our thoughts and lead our minds. God, we want to be molded and shaped by you, by your word, by the things you've done for us. God, we we don't want to have the perspective of the world on these things. We, We want your perspective, God, because you see all the pieces. When it looks like a mess, God, you know what the whole picture looks like. You're the only one who can do that. So God, we just submit ourselves to you this morning and say, lead us, guide us, renew our hearts, renew our minds, help us to see life and death the way you see it, God. So we thank you, Lord, we love you. It's in your name we pray, and everybody said amen. Amen, all right, so just real quick, I know, life, death, this is a heavy topic, right? So just take a deep breath, okay? And let it out, everything is going to be okay. Um, Not to minimize, like, This really is a difficult thing to talk about. Um, I know there are people who are afraid of death. There are people who maybe struggle with. Uh, even suicidal thoughts. And, and my hope is to, to really um, kind of dig into this question so that we have, again, God's perspective on everything, okay? And so I just say that to preface, um, but everything will be okay. We, we have to talk about these things. Um, so go ahead, open your Bibles to the book of Philippians, and I hope you trust me as your pastor to walk you through this, all right? Open up to the book of Philippians. Um, Today, we're going to focus on chapter 1, the the second half, or the the very end of verse 18. And we're going to read all the way through to verse 26. We're almost done with chapter 1. Three weeks, almost done with chapter 1. Next week, we'll wrap it up, all right? And just a reminder that Philippians is often viewed as God's guide to joy, right? We've been exploring that. This is Paul's most joyous writing, Of the 140 verses in Philippians, uh, Paul mentions joy some 16 times, which is a lot for this writing. Uh, Joy is the overall perspective that Paul wants us to have in life. Joy, everybody say that joyously. Joy, yeah, yeah. Okay, but the reason why this joy is so intriguing, again, I've said it every week, we can't forget it. Paul is in prison, probably the least joyous place you would want to be. He's in prison. He's been wrongfully accused, chained to a Roman soldier at all times. He's relying on outside sources for food. He's unsure if he will be released from prison or if he will be disposed of, executed by the Romans. This is no walk in the park for Paul. Yes, he's joyous, but he's also suffering, and we can't forget that. And when you read one of his other letters that he wrote from prison, you really get a sense of this suffering that we don't see in Philippians, a sense of his sorrow that he went through. Because in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 8 through 11, write it down, go look it up later. But Paul talks a little more about his prison circumstances. He says things like, we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Or he said, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. He also talks about his only hope being that God can still raise people from the dead. Right? Thinking that if he dies, God still might raise me from the dead. So Paul, he's suffering. And while Philippians is often viewed as God's guide to joy, it can also be u- or viewed as God's guide through suffering. Uh, It's God's how-to on how to suffer well. I mean, if you've ever experienced suffering, you know that suffering can lead you to some dark places, dark feelings, dark thoughts. And while that darkness is bound to come in the midst of suffering, you don't have to remain in the dark. You can experience light in the darkness. Let there be light. And in the second half of verse 18 and verse 19, Paul shows us three things that can help us through our suffering that I want to share with you real quick. It's kind of like a a side note to the meat of what we'll be talking about. But let's read it. Paul says, chapter 1, verse 18, the, the end of verse 18, he says, Yes, and I will rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. The first thing that can help us through our suffering is joy. Joy. Yes, and I will rejoice, Paul says. I will rejoice in my suffering. Maybe a better way to read this is I have to rejoice in my pain and my problems, I have to have a joyous perspective. Because what's the alternative? The only other option is to spiral downward into sorrow and despair. And sorrow only allows you to see the negative around you. Despair only allows you to see the pain and the hurt around you. But God's joy helps to elevate you above your circumstances. Hear this, not to escape your problems, but so that you can see them for what they really are. Joy is not some escapist mindset, right? Everything is fine. There's nothing to worry about. Let's just ignore these problems. No, right? Joy isn't being blind to your suffering, joy is accepting your suffering but also accepting the good and the purpose that can come from your suffering. Paul says, yes, and I will rejoice. I have to. But how do, we, how do we get that joy in the midst of suffering? If you've been there, it's really hard, isn't it? Well, that's why Paul continues in verse 19, gives us the second thing that can help us through our suffering. Paul talks about the prayers of the Philippians, his church family. And when you are suffering, you need the prayers of your church family. You need your brothers and sisters in Christ to lift you up in prayer so that you don't sink down into despair. Paul is saying in verse 19, he knows, he's confident that it's because of the Philippians' prayers that he will be delivered from his suffering. What confidence he has in his church family. So through Paul's example, he's saying, let other people into your life, especially when you're suffering. You shouldn't go through suffering on your own. You need to let people in, not just any people, but people who will pray for you, lift you up in prayer, pray that you would experience joy and understanding and hope and deliverance and perspective in the midst of your suffering. So we need joy. We need the the prayer of our brothers and sisters in Christ. Those will help us through our suffering. But Paul, he also says that through the help of the spirit of Jesus Christ, this will, this suffering will turn out for his deliverance. So the third thing that, that we need through our suffering is the Holy Spirit. Right? This help Right? It could come in the form of a miraculous rescue or deliverance from your suffering. Absolutely, I still believe in that. Do you? Yeah. But that help can also come in the form of the fruit of the Spirit that Paul talks about in Galatians. Which in Galatians, what does Paul say? Are the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, Goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. And these are all things that are incredibly valuable and incredibly helpful in the midst of suffering. And so Paul, he, he's, just, he's just dropping all of the perspective bombs that he can. And every single verse, he's just like cramming perspective change everywhere he goes. Or how do we suffer? Well, joy, prayer, the Holy Spirit. And then he just keeps going. Verse 20, let's read verse 18 again. He says, yes, and I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body. Hold on right there. And when I read this passage, it's so joyful, right? He's so expectant. He's so hopeful. It's kind of like the the coach in the locker room at halftime speech. He's he's encouraging everybody. This is like William Wallace from Braveheart or Marcus Aurelius from Gladiator. Pick your favorite. Gladiator's better. Anyways, um, and and he's he's giving this, this encouraging speech, right? This is Paul's encouraging prison speech. I will be delivered. I will not be at all ashamed. I'm full of courage. Christ will be honored in my body. Yes, right? But the speech takes a big turn at the end of verse 20 when he says Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life, whoo, right? We love life. We like that. Or by death, whoo, what? what? Wait a second. Paul, you just ruined a really great encouraging speech with that very last word. Death? Death? Whether by life or by death, we're all for the life part. But the death part, you think the Philippians are like, that's the exact thing we're praying doesn't happen to you or any of us for that matter. And what's happening is, is that that some Paul's actually kind of going through a, a bait and switch routine. You know that phrase? In sales, a bait and switch tactic is when you promise and offer something really amazing and you you want your customer to buy it from you, but when you deliver it, it's not nearly as amazing as you promised. Bait and switch. Thankfully, there are laws that protect customers from this. If you encounter this, you can take people to court. That's good. And in a way, Paul is using a bait and switch tactic. Christ can be honored in our bodies. Yes, let's do it. I'm in. He can be honored in death too. No, I, I don't want to do that. <laughs> right, But Paul isn't saying this to cause harm or to trick us. He's saying it to help us shift our perspective. Right, Philippians is all about perspective. We need an overall perspective of joy, things we've been talking about the past couple weeks. We need to perceive ourselves as God sees us, We need the perspective that our problems can serve our purpose and that our uh, passions shape our perspectives. You can go and listen to the previous weeks and catch up on that. But as we mature in faith, and I'm assuming that all of us want to mature in our faith, as we become more like Christ, we also need to have a healthy perspective of death in order to have a healthy perspective of life. Here's my bottom line, main point for today. Your perspective of death influences your perspective of life. Your perspective of death influences your perspective of life. And as we continue reading verses 21 through 26, we're going to see from Paul what a healthy perspective of both life and death looks like and how that influences his overall perspective for the better. Okay, and I'm going to make an assumption. Most of us, we spend more time thinking about life than we do death. Is that an appropriate assumption? In fact, most of us, if we're playing "Would You Rather," we would rather think more about life than death, because life is what we are doing right now, right? And death is something. Again, I'm going to assume this um, that we would like to come much later than sooner, and that's good. We need to spend time developing healthy perspectives of life. But you can't think about life without also thinking about death. I mean, you can. You can push those thoughts way down, but it's not healthy. It's not healthy. Because our understanding of the reality of death helps us better appreciate the gift of life that God has given us. When we understand that our days are limited... We spend our days focusing on the things that are more important. Right? A healthy awareness of death gives us a greater respect for life and ourselves, but also in the people around us. Your perspective on death influences your perspective on life. And so Paul uses this by life or in life or in death statement in verse 20 to move us into his personal reflections on life and death. And verse 21 is probably one of Paul's most well-known verses um, that he's ever written, one of them, right? Because in verse 21, Paul says this, For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. We've probably heard it before. I was listening to another pastor preach on this. And he said, you know what, this verse is so famous that I'm willing to bet that somebody in this room has it tattooed on their body. And as I was in my car listening to this, I lolled, like literally lolled, because I'm that person. (laughs) Right, so to live is Christ and to die is gain is the first tattoo I ever got. It's right here on my bicep. And I get extra points because it's in ancient biblical Greek too. It's a well-known verse. It's my life verse. That's why I have it permanently attached to my body. Because it's such a great perspective to have on both life and death. It keeps me grounded in my purpose for this life, but hopeful for the reward I'll have in the afterlife. To live is Christ. To die is gain. And I believe that's ultimately the perspective that God wants us to have. And again, I, don't, I know we don't like to talk about death, but if we don't talk about it, how can we form a healthy God-centered perspective about it? Right, so we're going to talk about it. Let's talk about the second half of verse 21. Why would Paul say that to die is gain? Right? In a culture that is so anti-death right now, Right? We do everything we can to push that as far away as possible. Right? Why in the world would Paul say that it's gain? Well, Scripture talks a good amount about death leading to a reward or gain for those who believe in Jesus. That when we not only believe in Jesus as Lord, that's one step, but when we also live according to his ways and not our own, that's a requirement, then when we die, our bodies will perish, but our souls will continue in eternal life in the presence and glory of Jesus. That's John 3.16 in a nutshell. We also know that, that when Jesus was on the cross, We should be having some slides up here too. There we go. Um, We also know that when Jesus was on the cross, he promised the thief next to him that he would be with him in paradise because he put his faith in him. Eternal life after death will be paradise. It's going to be awesome, okay? No one will be in paradise wishing that they were back here on earth. Nobody. Nobody. I wish I could be paying taxes right now. I wish, I wish I was there. I wish I could get sick again. I wish all of these problems I had, I wish I could. Nobody's going to be saying that in paradise, right? As several places in scripture also tell us that our souls will not just continue in um, like a, a disembodied state for all of eternity, but that one day Jesus will raise all believers back to life and give us new bodies to inhabit in a new heaven and new earth that he will restore. And this unified new heaven and new earth will be a place without sin, without death, or any form of suffering. It's going to be amazing. Awesome. And so when Paul says to die is his gain, that's what he means. Paul has this incredible confidence faced with potential execution himself that if it leads to that, he will be with Jesus. Okay, let's keep reading. Verse 21 again, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Then Paul goes on to explain a little more of what he means by this. Verse 22, if I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Purpose, right? Yet, which shall I choose? I cannot tell. Paul's in the middle of that would-you-rather question, right? Life or death, he can't decide. He's, he's weighing his options. Verse 23, I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. Stop right there. Did you just catch what Paul just said? Right? He said, I would be better off dead. That's what he's saying. Right, not in a hopeless sense, but in a hope-filled sense. Right, I, for my own sake, I would be better off dead because being in paradise with Jesus is better than not being in paradise with Jesus. Right, and that's true for you too. If you are a follower of Jesus, you all would be better off dead. (gasps) And that's, and that's an okay perspective to have. And now, there is a big but attached to this statement, okay? Huge. Right? Because I know that that sounds shocking. Right? Is, is Pastor Kai allowed to say that we'd all be better off dead? Okay, but we also have to continue and hear the balance. We have to hear the balance that Paul is bringing. Because Paul is not saying this as if he has a choice. As if he can choose for himself, you know what, I'm done here? I'm just going to go and be with Jesus. I am not, and neither is Paul advocating some righteous form of suicide. Right? When Paul says in verse 21, yet which shall I choose, I cannot tell. He's not just saying he doesn't know which one he, he would pick in the moment, as if he has a choice. He's actually saying he can't choose because it's not his choice to make. See, this is true of his circumstances as a prisoner in Rome, but also as a servant of Christ, which he refers to himself all the way back at the beginning, chapter 1, verse 1. And in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 1, Paul also refers to himself as a prisoner of Christ. And so as a prisoner of Rome, his life and death are not in his own hands. They're in Rome's. He can't decide. And as a servant and as a prisoner of Christ, his life and death are not in his hands, but in Christ's. And so likewise, though we would be better off dead as followers of Jesus, as servants and prisoners of Jesus, that is not our decision to make. We can't do that. Okay, but so there's one form of the balance. Paul keeps going with the balance, though. So in verse 23, He's essentially saying he's better off dead, but in verse 24, listen to what he says. Here's the big but. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. 25, convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. So, on one hand, Paul believes that he would be better off dead. But on the other hand, he also believes that his fellow brothers and sisters in Christ would be better off alive, if he is alive. Paul, right, would be with Jesus if he died, but the church would grow and more in love and knowledge of Jesus if he lived, right? And so, what does he resolve to? What's good for him? Or what's good for those around him. He resolves for what's good for others, not himself. Always the servant. Always self-sacrificial. Always putting others above himself, even in life and death. Right? Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith. You see, death to Paul is for him. In a way, death is a selfish ambition of Paul's. Death is for his personal gain, but life, that's for Christ. Life is for others knowing and loving Christ. And from what we've read so far about Paul in Philippians, his purpose is to advance the gospel. That's his life purpose. So knowing that, what do you think would better serve his purpose? Life or death? Death only serves Paul's gain, but life serves his purpose. And that's the perspective of life and death that we are to have as followers of Jesus too. Death is all about our reward and gain, but life is all about fulfilling purpose. Another way to look at it, though, is is through the lens of, of what is immediate and what is ultimate. Immediate and ultimate. Immediate being what's happening right now. And ultimate being what will eventually happen. And for every human being, death is ultimate. It's ultimate. Every one of us, we're eventually going to die. And for followers of Jesus, that means eternal life with Jesus. And guess what? Um, Heaven isn't going anywhere, church family. Right? Right? Jesus isn't going anywhere. You will ultimately and eventually reach that destination. And again, it's going to be amazing. But, and you should desire that ultimate outcome. You should desire it. But on the flip side of that, what is immediate? Life is immediate. We're doing it right now. It's happening all around us. And guess what? Here's the point. If you get too focused and determined on the ultimate, you will miss the immediate. And if life, the immediate, is all about purpose, but you focus on the ultimate, you're going to miss your purpose too. So what Paul is saying and what we should follow is that we should hope for the ultimate, absolutely, but we need to focus on the immediate. Your perspective on death influences your perspective on life it's important to have a healthy perspective on both life and death so that you can put your life in order people who don't know that they they don't know what to do with life right? because when you know what ultimately awaits you in death that knowing acts as a sure footing to help you fulfill your purpose your immediate purpose in life and we all know that life is painful 2020 told us anything. Life is painful. Fulfilling purpose is difficult. Our immediate future is always uncertain. But our future, ultimate future, is always certain as followers of Jesus. And knowing that, holding on to that, can keep us going in this life. Later on in Philippians, Paul's going to talk about always pressing forward towards the prize. So my question for you is, what is your purpose? It's not just a question. I have, an, I have the answer for you. If you've been wondering what your purpose is in life, it's the exact same as Paul's. right? Our purpose as followers of Jesus is to live in such a way that helps others know and love Jesus more. That's it. Every st- single thing that we do. Now, how we fulfill that purpose looks different for everyone. You've got to figure that out but the purpose is still the same. And the point is that that purpose is fulfilled in the immediacy of life and the reward of fulfilling that purpose is gained in the ultimacy of death. Right? Or ultimately, you are better off dead. But immediately, for others, you are better off alive. And I know there's some people who are listening who've said, for the wrong reasons and I think I am better off dead. No. No. You are better off alive. Our world needs as many followers of Jesus as possible if we want to see his kingdom come. His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You are better off alive. You have a purpose. You have a purpose so here's what I want you to do as we wrap up. And Luke, you can start making your way up. Here's what I want you to do as a homework assignment this week, okay, to help you focus more on the immediate purpose of your life as followers of Jesus. Okay, so every day this week, when you wake up, Maybe the first thing you do is you read through Philippians, right? Just takes 15 to 20 minutes. We're reading it every day as we go through this series, 15 to 20 minutes. But then the next thing I want you to do is I want you to ask God, God, what do you want me to do today in the immediate that will help me fulfill my purpose? Every single day, wake up and ask that question. God, How can I live today in such a way that helps others know and love you more? And you know what? I believe the more we ask, the more we submit that question in our lives to God, the less we'll feel like we've missed our purpose in this life. When we do that, we'll better understand for ourselves what Paul meant when he said, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Amen. So some questions for you to reflect on as well during this week. You can take a picture of this. You can screenshot it if you're watching online. Write them down. But question one, joy, prayer, and the Holy Spirit can help us through our suffering. Which of these three do you find easier or harder to cling to in suffering and why? Number two, why do you think it's easier to talk about life? and harder to talk about death? Number three, do you tend to focus more on the ultimate, what will eventually happen, or the immediate, what's happening right now all around you? Number four, what steps will you take this week to focus more on the immediate purpose of your life? So what I want us to do is just take a, a moment Um, just uh, assume a posture of reflection and receiving from God. Maybe you need to close your eyes to just really focus and and listen to what God is speaking to you, but go through these questions in your mind. Submit them to God and say, God, speak to me, show me. Maybe as you're, you're listening, just write out whatever God says. Let's just take a few moments before we move on. maybe as you're, you're reflecting on these questions or just reflecting on everything that's, that's been said, whether you're here in person or watching online or listening to this podcast many days, months, years, whatever, later, and you're trying to make sense of, man, to live is Christ, to die is gain. I, I can't even process that. Well, In order to process that, in order for that statement to be true for you, the very first step is to first surrender your life to Jesus. The very first step is to confess Jesus as your Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. To stop following your own ways and instead submit to the ways of Jesus. That's your first step in order to make sense of all of this. And maybe you're watching online or here, maybe you know somebody who hasn't made that decision for themselves. If you know somebody, what I want you to do right now is just say a simple prayer for their salvation right now. Ask God, ask Jesus to reveal himself to those who are not walking with him right now. That they would have an encounter with Jesus and they'd have the courage and the the strength to say yes to Jesus and no to themselves. Just say that prayer for that person that you know right now. or if you, you haven't made that decision yourself to surrender your entire life to Jesus, to follow him in all your ways and all your days, I would encourage you to make that decision today. It's as simple as saying yes to Jesus and no to yourself and saying that every single day. Yes, Jesus, I want you. I don't want what I can do for myself. I want what you've already done for me, Jesus. So I'd encourage you make that decision if you haven't already. Amen. Amen. I want to close this in prayer. Father, we thank you that we as followers of Jesus, we have purpose in life and we have gain in death. And where we struggle to understand or really believe either side of those, God, I pray that you would intervene in our lives and you would help us to understand that we do have purpose in life and death is not something we have to be afraid of that we do have meaning and purpose in this life. And we do have hope for eternal life when we leave this world. And God, I'm thinking of those who, even in our own church family, who've recently lost someone to death. Father, I pray that you would strengthen them right now. Father, I pray that you would encourage them right now. Especially if their their loved one was a father of Jesus, all is well. They are whole, they are complete, they are in the presence of their Jesus, their Savior, their Lord right now. And while the suffering is real, I just pray joy over you. God, your joy helps us to see our problems, to see our suffering for what it really is. God, you help us to to put all of the pieces together to make sense of our problems, our pain and suffering. So Jesus, we love you. We say thank you for what you're doing in this place and what you're gonna continue doing in, in our lives as we leave this place. We look forward to how the world around us is going to change the more we have your perspective and the more we we live out that perspective every single day of our lives. So Jesus, we thank you for that. We love you. We say all these things in your name. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. Thank you. Thank you for listening. If you are blessed by this episode and would like to help us create more content that magnifies and multiplies Jesus, would you consider giving a financial gift of any amount today? Whatever you give will go towards building the kingdom of God and the lives of people all over the world. Thank you for your support and we pray many blessings over you.